Welcome back, Soil Nation. Uh, This is the Topsoil Podcast. Uh, This is Trent Stout with Stout Seed, at Seed Junkie on Twitter, and at Stout Seed on Facebook. Um, I think I can say with excitement and enthusiasm, and I know Mitch shares this sentiment in saying that we are are really pleased to have joined the Global Ag Network. A little bit on the Global Ag Network, it's a consortium of podcasters, all ag-related. It kind of senses to bring everybody together who are doing quality podcasts on specific topics. And it's an easy resource for you, the listener, to find uh, quality content, maybe content that's more suited for what you're looking for in one place versus uh, working within the, the restrictive categories inside of the podcast forums that exist out there that uh, have a hard time categorizing some agricultural podcasts. So I think uh, the Global Ag Network is on the right track. This is something that we've been working on putting together for a few months now and are excited to have uh, been able to make this leap. So uh, again, Trent Stout, uh, last week, Mitch kind of explained um, our challenges um, and, and what we've been trying to do in, in creating content. I know it's been a while since we've got back and, and been able to produce good content. It's been a busy, busy six, four, five, six months. Um, I know I, I had an addition to my family in June, uh, with my little baby Theo. And so it's been tough getting back on track and balancing that work life podcast dynamic and um so we're happy to have this ability to to move forward with content and hopefully help you out uh in your operation so again look us up if you have any specific questions and feel free to shoot us any feedback and uh we love hearing from you guys so last week mitch tackled a question or last episode i should say a question involving some of the questions that I'm hearing from my customer base surrounding uh, soil sampling and some of the soil sample results that they've been getting. And um, if you haven't listened to that, feel free to go back. I think that's a great episode. Mitch tackles some really interesting stuff there. So, uh, and then he posed a question to me basically saying that as we move further into the fall, what are some of the things that we should do from a mindset change when when it comes to cover crops? Um, and I think the first thing is a buzz question that if you're on, you know, if you're in cover crop, if you're consuming cover crop content right now, you, this is kind of almost getting too redundant, but everybody wants to use this buzz question of what are your goals and establish your goals, understand what your goals are. And I think that there's a lot of value in that, um, Two reasons, I think, as we move further into fall, why that should be at your forefront is, one, we have to understand from a species selection um, what what we can really accomplish with those, those overall goals that we have, um, what our limitations from a species selection-wise um, will be, you know, we have to adjust just that species selection. And then two is to keep you in a cost, you know, from a cost perspective, just because you go online and you see, you know, some 35-way species mix um, or you're listening to a YouTube video where someone's trying to convince you of these multi-species mixes, um, 
you know, you got to stay away from from maybe just getting yourself sold a bill of goods that that ultimately financially is, isn't going to be of no benefit to you. So speaking specifically kind of in our geography here in southern Iowa, you know, I'm located in between Highway 34 and Interstate 80 in the southeast part of the state. And some of the conversations that I'm having with my guys as we get pushed further into November is, um, you know, the first thing is obviously seed, uh, our seed rates. So when we're in September, we do a lot of cereal rye at a seed rate. Uh, and I'll use cereal rye because that's kind of the king cover crop around here and in most places. But but we, we tend to back our rates down around 20 pounds per acre. And then as we move into um, October, we kind of bump that up to 30, 35 pounds. And as we move into November, we bump that up uh, to 42 pounds. Uh, but if you're in a cost share program, then, you know, you're at that 55 pound rate. So um, the reasons for that, and I think we've tackled this in some previous episodes, is just the ability of that plant to tiller. The more growth that we can get to it in the fall, the more tillers we can produce and the less seed that we actually need on the ground to be able to get the same effect in, in ground coverage and root depth. And so that's kind of the premise behind that. Um, I think a good rule of thumb when you look at growth of these species is that a day in September is worth a week in October and it's worth basically the whole month of November. So getting those cover crops out early is important if one of your goals is biomass and carbon um, because you just will, uh, with every week that goes by, you just, your ability to produce um, top growth and biomass uh, dwindles significantly um, in our geography. And so that's very important to, to understand. The other thing to understand is that as we move further into the fall, the less species um, that you are maybe available to you, and not in a sense of like I can go purchase these, but in a sense of like the benefits that you can get from those. And so, you know, as we get further into the fall, you know, we we less likely to use a lot of legumes. We're less likely to use, you know, brassicas. And uh, we move more towards the grains, um, cereal rye specifically. Uh, but because of this year and the crop failure out west, um, you know, we have used winter wheat and we have used triticale um, more than in, in past years just, just because of seed supply issues. So, you know, again, I think it's important um, to understand what you're trying to accomplish. I think it's important to understand as you get later into the year that we that we need to adjust our seed rates accordingly and also our species selection needs to be on point with the time of our seeding. Um, and then ultimately, I think we have to understand that if we're moving into a situation like this year where we've had snow events, um, it's been cold in November, we, our ground temperatures are, are, are falling dramatically, and if we're still going to seed at this point, we're really looking at it from a perspective of a dormant seeding, and that is going to vary vastly different than maybe in years past if you had a living top growth cover crop um, at this point. So now if because of weather situations with the rain getting pushed back into harvest, now you're still trying to do cover crops, 
but you're not you're kind of in uncharted waters as far as at this time usually you have a growing cover crop and, th and now we're just looking at finally seeding it um, we have to be aware that this is going to cause us some some heartburn maybe in the termination schedule depending on you know what you're doing for termination so typically the most common termination around here is to get out early and control it ahead of corn um, and then also ahead of soybeans for some of our uh, more novice uh, cover croppers they they don't like to take that risk and like to get out and kill it early understandable um, obviously in the organic world a lot of these guys are crimping it um, so you're going to be looking at maybe a pushback on that schedule and then uh, on the third option which is you know we still got to wait in the spring to get this seed emerged to get it to a growing point outside of the ground where we can where we can terminate this effectively um, but maybe this doesn't affect soybeans as much as it does our corn guys because typically when april 15th rolls around we're wanting to plant corn around here and so that does gives us kind of a narrow window in the spring where we have good temperatures uh good sunlight all the things needed to get an effective kill and we're not just waking a plant up now we're starting to we're trying to start growing a plant and so from that perspective you have to have some flexibility in your termination schedule to account for this late seeding that's going to occur this fall so you may want to push that off you may want to go with with something different and do a spring seeding um, maybe as that last snowfall or that that last bit of snow is coming off and the ground's still hard you can go out with some different options there with a spring seeding but um, if you're going to push something in this fall understand that 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 termination schedule is going to be uh, affected in the spring from your normal practice um so so just understand that um so that time frame does affect spring termination so that's kind of the things that you know affect our mindset around here as we get pushed back in the fall if i miss something or i drastically mess something up um, feel free to, to, like I said, get, get to me on Twitter, get to me on Facebook. Love hearing your comments and your feedback. And then for next episode, the question that I would like to ask Mitch is to kind of tie both of these topics together with his multi-year data that he's been collecting. What are some of the things that he thinks are most noteworthy? What are some of the most uh, aha things that he's seeing from guys that have adopted cover crop versus guys that are not using cover crops in relation to those soil samples, the nutrients in those soils. Is there things that he's seeing from different cover crop practices that are having dramatic impacts on the soil structure and the soil nutrients and the availability of those nutrients inside of his customer base? So I look forward to hearing that response. Uh, again, a big call out to the Global Ag Network. Go check them out. And as always, look forward to talking with you again.